Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast special one on a Sunday. Doing this a little weird one. I am actually sitting in uh, the Dallas uh, Love Field Airport. Uh, so if you hear some speakers going on, that's where I'm recording this. I'm actually ducked in a little corner in the Southwest uh, customer service area where there's no one doing customer service. So I thought I'd come in here and try to do a Peristyle Podcast uh, reaction to what's been going on, of course, with USC and losing to Alabama. So uh, it'll be a little bit different show. I'm going to try to record it uh, quickly before I get on my flight. But I have a bunch of questions I want to, I'll try to address, uh, some voicemails I want to play. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, Leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device on iTunes. Go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. Um, you can also get us on Google Play. We're on Audio Boom. We're on Stitcher Radio. Anyway, just search Peristyle Podcast. You can find us and uh, all our old episodes. And speaking of old episodes, if you listen to my solo podcast from, I believe it was Friday before the game, um, I... Didn't say USC was going to get blown out, but I did say I would take Alabama and the points. Um, I just thought that this was a well-oiled machine on the Alabama side, and it was not on the USC side. And that completely came to fruition, despite the first quarter and a half where the USC defense, I thought, played really well. Um, I don't have as much criticism for the USC defense. Certainly there were some breakdowns and some issues, uh, but I'm going to give you all my thoughts, and I'm not going to pull any punches i'm going to tell you exactly what i think try to answer all of your questions do the best i can it's uh it was ugly it was definitely ugly this looked like a rookie head coach going against the greatest coach in college football history and that's exactly what it was and the only reason that had to happen is because of the usc administration this is what they decided to do they decided to hire an assistant coach with no head coaching experience and you want to play with the big boys, this is what happens. Um, I like Clay Helton a lot. I think he can eventually be a good head coach. But he's going to be in a trial-by-fire situation. He's lost four of his last five games. He's over 3 as the permanent head coach at USC. And he's got a tough slate coming up. So it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And I'm not sure that's really what USC fans wanted to, to hear or see. Uh or experience, but that's what it was. And it was, I got to tell you, and I just ran into a USC fan here in the airport who called me up and said, hey, I, I follow you on Twitter and all that stuff. Shout out to Dan from Nashville if he listens to this. Um, he was impressed too. Everyone I talked to, USC fan-wise, and even Bama fans, were impressed with the number of USC fans that came out. It looked like it was 50-50 uh, in the stadium. You could tell when USC was getting killed and those people left. A lot of people, <laughs> half the stadium was gone of the USC fans. Um Really impressive showing. I don't think you're going to see anywhere near that kind of fire for the foreseeable future unless something happens crazy and they turn it around, beat Stanford, beat Utah. Um, but it was 
there was a great showing by the fan base. They bought in. And they got to see the biggest debacle, the third worst loss in USC history. USC's only lost by 40 points three times in history. One of them was yesterday. Uh, they lost to Michigan in 1947. I think it was 49 to nothing. Uh, 1966 Notre Dame was a 51 nothing, and this one. So never had lost by 40 points or more uh, in my lifetime. Um, the last time was 1966. So this is a historic loss. The last time USC didn't score an offensive touchdown was in 1997 uh, against Washington. So, yes, there was a, a lot of problems. They hadn't lost an opener for 19 years. Um, that was the year, you know, they hadn't. You know, to not score a touchdown was pretty bad. And while I was in the airport, I kind of dug this stat up looking at the chart. I was talking to Dan Weber last night when we were leaving. Didn't get back to my hotel till 3 in the morning after this debacle. So I hopefully you guys enjoyed our coverage. I mean, we were killing it, in my opinion, on coverage uh, around the game. When we were pregame, you know, I showed live video pregame on the field. We had all kinds of stuff going on, tweets and uh, Instagrams and, and everything on the message boards. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll have stuff here for the podcast too. Um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the coverage. I mean, we had a ton of stuff and we'll continue to have more stuff going up analysis of this game, but it's such a big game. We wanted to make sure we covered it right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, but it's one of the stats I was, you know, I was, uh, kind of going through my stat book and, uh, had some talks last night with Dan about, you know, some of the interesting stats and you know what i don't know if they ever made it into the red zone uh because both field goals were from outside the red zone and so i looked it up usc ran one play in the red zone that was in the third quarter um it was uh, the usc got to the 19 yard line of alabama ran a six yard uh, six yard run uh and that was it so they got to the 13 then they got a penalty on the next play so they didn't technically run another play in the red zone they bumped out to the 23, and uh, and that was it. So they had one play executed in the red zone, and that was it. I mean, to give one play in the red zone, to me, is ridiculous. Uh, it just was an offensive fail of epic proportions. I thought special teams played pretty crappy, too, as much time as they spent. There was some good stuff on special teams, but nowhere near the consistently – good play on special teams you had a kickoff out of bounds of course the the muffed punt that led to a touchdown uh the first when the momentum changed too it was also a bad punt with a penalty that set alabama up and then they hit that play right away scored a touchdown took the lead and of course it was over at that point and i actually tweeted right when that bad punt happened so us it was three nothing usc defense playing great and they needed to trade, you know, they, but the offense wasn't going anywhere. Three and out, three and out, three and out. So they needed special teams to continue to play well. Otherwise, the field position was just going to kill them because um, they couldn't score. They couldn't march the ball at all, not get any first downs, let alone score. And so the one bad punt by Chris Tilby, uh, he, his first couple were pretty good, especially the one he was backed up in his own end zone. I thought that was a good punt. Uh, but he had a bad punt, and then USC got a penalty on it, set Alabama up, and I tweeted at that point, this is the kind of thing where you feel the momentum's changing and the game's going to go in a different direction. And, I mean, I couldn't have, not to pat my own back, but I'm going to, uh, couldn't have nailed it any better. I knew exactly at that point the game had shifted. And it did. Alabama scored, and then it was all over. Uh, it just snowballed. So, um, yeah, that was some, some pretty terrible stats. 
I want to play a couple voicemails for you. Um, let's go. Yeah, so we have uh, one voicemail here from our buddy uh, Imani. Hey, Ryan, Imani from Koreatown again. You have to forgive me. This is my third voicemail message. A little nervous, but I'm also a little angry, so I'll relax this time. This uh, question comment is for anyone, no one in particular. There's a video on your Twitter page of the Alabama players on the sideline nearly coming to blows even though they're winning the game. There's a picture of Adoree out on Twitter where he's smiling after losing the game. To me, those two images, the video of the Alabama players nearly coming close to fighting and the picture of Adoree smiling symbolize the difference between Alabama and USC. All right, thanks, Imani, for that. Um, he left a couple voicemails, like he said, and I, li- I listened to all of them. So I, the, the just basically, um, there was a picture from the press conference. Adoree was smiling. Um, he's just the kind of, that's the way he is after games. And uh, he's he's a positive dude. I, I'm not going to hold, like, say that that's bad, what Adore, like Adoree Jackson, how he was smiling and stuff after the game. Um, but you're right. Uh, the the Alabama players were fighting. Defensive backs were fighting on the sideline, and I was, I tweeted. I'm like, what could you possibly be fighting about? Like, you had given up three points at that point. Um, but that was the kind of fire, and that was the kind of toughness uh, that you saw from Alabama. And you definitely didn't see that toughness, and you definitely didn't see that fire from USC. I'm not gonna base it on because Dory Jackson was smiling afterwards. I'm basing it on what I saw on the field. And what I saw on the field was soft play. And and Clay Hilton had talked from the, the reason he got the job is because he talked about physical play, physical defense, uh, running the ball. And you didn't see any of that. I mean, just, it just wasn't there. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, uh, I mean, to me, it comes down to you hired a coach that has no experience. You also hired an athletic director with no experience. The last two, two times. Um, you kind of reap what you sow. And could it work out? Could it have? Yes. Could it still? Sure. Um, but there's problems when you do that. I mean, you're taking a big risk by not hiring someone that's established. You know, you saw what Tom Herman did uh, yesterday. He goes out and beats Oklahoma. Oh, he beat Florida State too. And he made a run. And... Uh, He's he turned that program around last year. It wasn't a fluke. He goes out and beats Oklahoma already this year. That's a that's a guy, and he's not even been that established. I mean, he was a, a one year dude, but that's someone you would project. Okay, he's shown he can already do it at least. Um, oops, sorry, that was a little. Um, so he's shown he can do it, and that's I mean, you just you hadn't seen that from Clay Hill. And and really, if you want to go out and get a Kirby Smart who was a national champion winning defensive coordinator for Nick Saban, or you want to go get like a Tom Herman um, who was, uh, you know, working with Urban Meyer and had the Urban Meyer stuff going on and then gets hired by Houston. I get it. You know, like that makes sense. You end up hiring an assistant who was Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian's assistant. So to me, 
there were some failures there. And you, you know, I think USC fans want Clay Helton to work out. And I like Clay Helton a lot. I would love to see him be a great college head coach. But you're talking about USC. You're talking about a top five all-time program. You're taking a big risk by hiring a guy that's never done the job before. You get smoked by Alabama in historic fashion, embarrassed on national television. And it's kind of like one of those things. This isn't second-guessing. It was like you said it from the very beginning. When you do something like this, there's a risk. And uh, that was the risk. All right, I think we're going to do another voicemail here. Um, let me play it for you. This is from Mike. Yeah, hi. This is Mike from New York. Um, this is the first game I have watched in probably, I don't know, 100 USC games going back years um, in which it's just embarrassing. And we look at all these things that are going wrong. The only common thread I see is the coach. Uh, they, keep, they come out from the tunnel in the slinky little Hollywood style. A guy gets tossed out of the game for unsportsmanlike conduct. People whiffing on assignments. And these, these are supposedly four- and five-star athletes. Who's coaching these guys? I, I've never seen such an embarrassing performance by a USC team in over a decade. And this is it's just pathetic. I mean, you can run this past the coach. I'm curious what he thinks about this. All right, thanks, Mike. Uh, this I'm doing a solo podcast today, so I'm not going to run that by the coach. I'm sure we'll get more questions in for Coach Harvey Hyde, so I'll talk about those. You know, we'll talk about those with him, get his thoughts on all of that too. But no, I agree. I mean, people will start questioning. Well, they're just not that talented, or blah 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 blah. I mean, these are guys that were recruited by the Alabamas of the world. I mean, Damian Mama, Alabama wanted him badly, or Vianney Tamavao. I mean. He was committed to Alabama. I mean, those are there's dudes that can play. These four or five star guys, they can't all be busts. I go back to the same thing you. Are they being developed? Are they being coached up? Are they put in a better position to win? Um, I don't think so. I mean, would a better coach uh, have scored more than six points? A better offensive system? A better philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I think you could take – I think a, a different coach could take those guys – and play way better than what we saw yesterday. So I do come down more at coaching. I think this team is deeper than we've seen before. Uh, they're up above 80 scholarships again. I do believe it's a talented team. I believe there's a lot of guys on this team um, that will play in the NFL. And I, to me, this is more about a coaching issue than anything else. And a lot of it comes down to, hey, what did you do? Um, you know, why, why did this happen? Uh, why did you end up hiring a guy with no experience? Is this what uh, is this what you wanted? I mean, this obviously not what you wanted, but when you when you do that, when you when you hire someone that's never done the job before, can you be surprised when it looks like they're not doing a good job? Um, so this is Clay Hilton's 11th game as head coach. He's six and five. Uh, he's lost his the three games he's been the permanent head coach. Um, so he's 0-3 as the permanent head coach. He's lost four of the last five. Yeah, I mean, if you, you decided to hire him, I think you have to give him a chance. But now I got all these people, all the USC fans are saying, you got to get rid of him, you got to do something else. And who knows, if USC starts off 1-3, uh, maybe there'll, be, they'll, there'll definitely be a lot more of that kind of stuff. But when you make the – you can't hire someone that you think is risky and then not give them any time to do anything, you know. So – I just think the the decision to make the hire was the wrong one. I said that from the very beginning. Now, 
it's you have to try to figure out a way to get this team rolling again. And you can't lose them. And there's certainly a possibility of losing this team because you just got smoked by historic proportions. I mean, the worst I've, I've never seen a loss like that in my lifetime. Um, I'm 45 years old. So a lot of USC fans, this is the worst they've ever seen. And obviously, uh, they're questioning things. All right, I'm going to go through some questions, too. We got Mark. Given all the superlatives that have been stated on uscfootball.com about the offensive line, their outstanding conditioning, how tough they appeared, shouldn't your readers begin to question your powers of observation? As you say, just saying, uh, Mark. Uh, thanks for that one, Mark. And you're more than welcome to question my powers of observation or Dan's powers of observation. Um, I liked what I saw from uh, the the conditioning aspect. Uh, the guys were losing weight. Um, I like the depth. I do look. You look at the guys and you talk to scouts and feel like there's a bunch of NFL capable guys on this team. Now they've had five different offensive line coaches over the last five years. It's been turmoil. You expected Neil Callaway to come in, and I told you guys this on the solo podcast, to be successful, this offensive line has to play better. They have to play up to their potential. And what they did on Saturday was play below their potential again. And it's been a common theme. And you can't. this team won't be successful if they, if, if they do that. And you were hoping Neil Callaway was able to do it. I thought I saw signs that there was possibilities there. I'm no offensive line expert i liked what he was saying um i liked what the the offensive linemen were saying but they came out and just got pushed around and some of it might have been the the chad wheeler chuma doga thing wheeler came in and thought played pretty good chuma doga was playing a left tackle for the very first time in his life against the you know most fearsome front you could ever imagine so and he was on the sidelines keely said uh after he he had a quad contusion was dehydrated, was trying to put water in his mouth, and his hand was shaking so much he couldn't squirt the water into his mouth. So was he in over his head? Probably. Uh, you know, and that's other coaching decisions there. So there's plenty of times, though, Mark, where we'll go out and I'll watch summer workouts. And we saw them play fast and do good things in summer workouts, like they were doing in the spring. Then comes the fall, and they didn't look the same. The offense didn't look the same. They weren't throwing the ball at a tight end down the middle. And I don't know what changed, and I'm not sure what happened, but that's what we saw. Or when we would see Alan Bradford rip off 80-yard touchdown runs in practice, and then we would tell you guys, and then you guys, you're an idiot, that he doesn't do anything in the games. Um, or Jordan Cameron, I was like, that guy could catch everything in the end zone. He's amazing. Why do you watch him in games? And they never used him in a game. Or David Osbury, and, and those guys go on to the NFL and do great things. Or Bradford, you know, until the end of his career, they put him in and he gets 200 yards rushing. It's not like we're lying to you. We're telling you what we see. And then a lot of times what you see in practice doesn't translate to the game or they don't use the player that way in the game. Um, you know, so I think there were some positive things to look at with the offensive line. But when you look at the play, it was just as lackluster as we've seen before. So certainly some issues there, Mark. But yeah, always you can always question our power of observation. I'll tell you exactly what I think, exactly what I see. And a lot of times we're later justified because, you know, like a Jordan Cameron, he's, he didn't do anything at USC. And then he goes to the NFL and is a pro bowler. So I must have saw something that was worthwhile uh, with him just because USC didn't use him that way. All right, let's see. Hawaii guy said, I listened to the Damian Mama interview prior to the game. His quote, 
Coach keeps all of us balanced. Trust the technique. It will set you free. Well, that balance offensive line was shifted seismically on Saturday. Can they trust the balance and technique? As this was a 7.0 Richter at, on the Richter scale at least. Thanks, Hawaii guy. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I think you have to trust your coaches, and I think they did, and I think it didn't work. And then I think, do you still trust them? And that's the biggest issue here for Clay Helton is that he was very popular um, with the players. And will that continue going forward? Because they bought in, and the results on the field were abysmal. Will you continue to buy in? So Clayton's really, and I talked about this before the game. I mean, weeks before the game, that one of the issues was you play Alabama. If it's a blowout, do you lose guys? And that's a big question. Are they going to lose guys? I don't know, uh, but that's something to watch. Uh, Rob and Ukiah, uh, he says, Ryan and Coach Dan, pretty embarrassing game the other night, especially watching Jabari kicking the Alabama player in the groin. That should not be tolerated on this team, and I hope Clay sits him for the rest of the season. Um, Clay didn't, by the way, Clay didn't uh, name Jabari, you know, by name. And I saw some people on Twitter saying that Jabari was pushed and lost his balance. I mean, I only saw it a couple of times. I'm not an expert on it, but it looked like he stomped down on the groin to me. Uh, but that, you know, I'd have to watch it a bunch of times. I, I haven't had a chance to do that. So I think the coaches need to look at themselves in the mirror and ask why they came to USC. Are they looking for a job or they genuinely want to make USC great again? That pathetic performance says to me, nothing has changed from last year against Stanford or Wisconsin. Has Clay won a game since being named the head coach? He has not. Uh, if USC gets blown out again against Stanford in a couple of weeks, I feel highly likely that Clay will lose this team and our season will be a bust. Thanks, guys. Robin Ukiah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so a couple of things there. I don't think it's the coaches that don't want to succeed. So, like, if you hire, uh, if you run a floral shop and you hire someone that knows nothing about flowers, I'm not. This is not a straight comparison. I'm not saying the coaches don't know anything about it. But if you hire someone that, um, you know, at the floral shop, they don't know a whole lot about flowers. They might want to make your floral shop the best floral shop it ever was, but they're not capable. They don't know the difference between this flower and that flower. Or you're going against floral shops that have like super experienced uh, workers there and they're just in over their heads because these other workers know way more about flowers than they do even though they're eager to learn and they want to win and they want to do the best i don't think it's other coaches don't want to but you don't see like what top 25 program would have hired the coaches that usc did over the past seven eight years like none of them you would like sark was on the hot seat when usc hired him Lane Kiffin got fired at Oakland. Landed on his feet in Tennessee. No one was clamoring after him to get him uh, after his first year, and USC was. And same with the thing with Clay Helton. And, and even the timing of when you hired him, did you need to name him the permanent head coach after the UCLA game, saying it didn't matter that they beat UCLA, that wasn't the reason to hire him, when that was completely the only reason he was hired is because he beat UCLA. Um it was just just bad decisions from the top. I don't blame you don't blame someone for being hired for a position that they might not be qualified for. You blame the person that hired them. So that's what I would that's what I would do, Rob. Uh, mental toughness from Neil. When USC gave up that first touchdown at Hertz, it showed a complete uh, absence of mental toughness, and they looked soft. 
How do they approve on this moving forward? Because it seems that everything that Coach Helton was preaching, the opposite happened, and the missed assignments and poor game uh, planning uh, offensively is still a carryover from last year. How do you guys think they will address that? Sorry for the many questions. Neil, fight on uh, from Neil and Manila. Um, okay, so here's a couple pet peeves I have with what's going on. When we talked to the players afterwards, a lot of them said lack of execution. To me, that's an excuse. When you say lack of execution, that is a fine-tuning thing. And if you're a former coach or something, write me. Tell me if I'm wrong. But when I say lack of execution, it's more of, okay, if we execute a little better, we could play a little better. You know, it's not – you're going blown out by uh, – you know, 40, 40 points or whatever, and um, and that's why. It, it, but if you executed better, then you would have won. Like, no, I mean, that's not. You wouldn't have executed. Uh, <laughs> uh, to me, you're not going to execute 45 points better. You're going to execute a touchdown or two, maybe, and and be a little bit better. But that's that's a fundamental breakdown of everything when you get blown out that bad. There's there's a fundamental problem with your preparation. There's problems that are beyond you didn't do exactly what you were supposed to do. That two-yard loss, would it have been a three-yard gain? Fine. You still didn't get the first down. You would have executed the play, and it's it wouldn't it would have worked better, but it wouldn't have got you 45 points. So that's an issue for me. And then the other thing was talking about well, you know, when, when they're asking about Juju Smith and why he couldn't get him the ball more, he has one catch in the game. And saying, like, well, they were running the two high safeties. And it almost like there was a magic defense that, that Alabama was running, some scheme. They put two safeties deep, so it was up. Oh, there's nothing we could do. Now, I mean, that's, that's utter crap. Like, of course, yeah, you, that means they had a four-man front and you couldn't run against it. That's a fundamental problem. That's not, well, they had uh, two safeties deep, so the offense is never going to work. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it, it was the opposite of what he was preaching. You saw the opposite happen. And I don't think it's just about a misassignment or the game. I, I defensively, I don't have a, an issue with what Clancy Pendergast was doing. Um, I mean, that defense hung in there for a long time. They had some breakdowns, you know, r- blitzing two guys on the same play. Uh, and you give up a touchdown, uh, Iman Marshall pushing a guy out of bounds, looking in the backfield, letting him go downfield. And not catching back up to him for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that is going to happen when you play aggressive. But did you see all the negative plays that they forced? Um, and especially when it was a close game, once things start barreling out of control and you're going, you're sliding down the side of the mountain in the avalanche, I don't blame the defense as much. I mean, you're on the field a lot. They played mostly the starters the whole time. Yeah, you'll get a little more tired. But I think it's more about the mentally draining aspect of it that – no matter what we do as a defense, unless we score, we're not winning. It was fine when you're, you're up 3 nothing. Um, then you start giving up some points. They give up a pick six. And it's like the defense is like, man, we fought our butts off and we're still losing. And it doesn't look like the offense is going to score uh, anytime soon. So, um, yeah, I, the, the offensive – I think the, the offensive game plan looks way too much uh, like the other offensive game plans. And it's just not it. It's just it needed to be something different. And it just kind of went back to what we saw before. Uh, Lloyd wrote in and said, I am what uh, I am. What I am. What are people? I don't know what he's trying to say there. Maybe he's, I'm one of the people that was upset when Pat Hayden hired uh, play Hilton. I think he means Clay Hilton. And now after watching him. Lloyd, you got to proofread your stuff here. And now after watching him, 
Uh, Coach, I think I was right. Uh, after watching last year's team play Stanford, Oregon, uh, and Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, so no, and Wisconsin, Hilton, it should be Hilton, uh, had no idea what uh, physicality really is. Uh, he's a nice guy, but clueless. Uh, do you think when the Trojans are one and three in the first four games, he'll be on a short leash? Um, Lloyd, I think you were really upset. There were so many words missing, and I had to kind of fill those in. Um, USC could seriously be one and three. Uh, I mean, they could be they could be zero and four because if they play the way against Utah State the way they did against Alabama, they would lose that game. I mean, I know Alabama is really good and and screwed USC up in a lot of ways, but the way they were playing, they wouldn't have beat a Utah State uh, yesterday. So um, I don't think Clay Hilton is clueless at all. I mean, I like Clay Hilton. I think he can be a good coach. I think, I think he's in over his head, and uh, I don't think it's his fault. I think he was hired, which you want to be hired for a great job, but his resume did not show that he should have been hired to be the head coach at USC. It was more about the circumstance he was in and where he was, and, and that happens a lot in the business world and all in, in everything, you know, and sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. Just like if you hire the most qualified guy ever, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when you hire a guy that his resume doesn't really match the job description, then you kind of look to, well, that, that was probably the reason why. Um, usually don't say that when you hire a guy with a great resume and it doesn't work out, but there's an obvious reason there. Um, so Lloyd, next question. Make sure you proofread that a little bit, buddy. Okay. Um, Otis wrote in, hey, Ryan, love the show. I'm personally glad USC's hype bubble is gone. Now they know what to work on and we won't be so big-headed going into Stanford. USC will get better. I think it's a, an interesting way to look at it. Um, do you think USC had a big head going into it? I'm not sure. I think there was some quiet confidence. And this has to rock your confidence world, I would say. Um, USC has to get better. They need to get better. I could see this team. It's talented enough that they could certainly go and beat Stanford. You got to worry about Utah State first, though, buddy. Um, that's, I mean, you got to get things right, and it starts there. I know you don't even want to think about that, but you got to get better from week one to week two. You got to lick your wounds and use this as a learning tool. Uh, is it hard to learn from a, a drubbing like that? I think it can be at times, but you have to. I don't know if they know what to work on, though. I don't know if I agree with you with that. There's so many things to work on. So many things went wrong. Um, do you know? Do you know what to work on? I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Lamar wrote in, hello, Trojan fans. What a whipping it was. Uh, please emphasize that the team fought hard for the first half, but fatigue on defense, a seasoned elite coaching staff, and a program on a different level became dominant, even with no experience at quarterback. Everyone expected a loss, but not like that. There are 126 college football teams and four tiers or levels. Uh, we know that Alabama's on tier one. I wanted to ask what Excuse me, level USC is on. What do you think USC is on? I see USC as a level three program. I don't think you should schedule a top program to determine where you are in development. If eight out of ten people could tell you, you would lose that game. Fight on. Bake the cake before you taste it. Lamar from Lancaster. Um, that's interesting. I probably would agree with you. USC, I mean, the way they performed, it's a tier three. If you want to look at history, if you want to look at what the job should be, it's level one for sure. It's a top five all-time program. Uh, and some people and people would tweet me, like, I would say, what would have happened if you hired Tom Herman? And like, why would Tom Herman come to USC and leave Houston and this dumpster fire? And it's like, that is the most ignorant statement I have ever heard. Why would, you, if you see 
<laughs> it's you're talking about one of the greatest program traditions in history. Houston is not that. Houston's nice and they've done a good job. You are Houston, you would jump at the chance. Unless there's some I grew up in Houston and my dad played I mean if there's some reason like that, whatever, but you're the head coach at Houston, there's a, a zillion reasons you would want to be the head coach at USC. So to say because things are going poorly right now, you wouldn't want to come here as a coach is dumb. That like recruits want to come where guys are losing because they think they can turn things around. You don't think that's the same thing with coaches? You want to be at a place that has Heisman Trophy winners um, and national championships. And that, that's just most programs, you can't do that. Most programs don't have the tradition and would send you know, tens of thousands of fans to Dallas to take on the number one team in the country. USC has all of that. So, yes, that's that's why you'd want to do it. Um, I think I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. But USC is a tier one program historically. Right now, probably uh, a tier three, like you said. I would agree with you. Um, and we'll see. You know, they can definitely bounce back. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see if they're, they're able to do that. There's a, so much football ahead of them. This isn't a, a conference game. Uh, they can beat Stanford and beat Utah, and all you know, all will be right in the world, or at least a lot of it will be right. Things will be back on track. Didn't look like that's the direction this program is going, and that's the problem. Okay, next question we have. Let's see. We'll go to Frank. It says, now we know the reason for all the delay in naming a starting quarterback. Hats off to the defense for playing very well in the first half. Uh, before they got worn out. As a tr- and uh, tremendous hats off to Adore Jackson. What a great player throughout a very ugly loss. Uh, Frank in Sacramento. I agree. Adore Jackson thought he played uh, tremendously, running down guys from behind. Um, the defense, I don't think they got worn out as much. I think some of it, like I said, was, was mental fatigue, uh, just knowing that there's nothing you could do unless you're scoring points yourself. And uh, I don't know if we know the reason why delay, delay naming a starting quarterback. Um, I mean, I don't. It's. I think it's because Sam Darnold played well, but there's a lot of things that went wrong in this. And neither quarterback you saw him do well. It was more offensive scheme to me uh, than anything. Eric in Duck Country wrote for a positive. He says, "Give me some positives you saw last night. Tell me, make it through the week." Um, ooh, that's gonna be tough, Eric. <laughs> positives from a, a 52 to six uh, thromp, you know, bludgeoning. But uh, we'll try. so I thought there were some guys that played well. Um, I thought of Dory Jackson. Uh, I thought he played really well. I like the fact that uh, Porter Gustin was involved so much. He got beat a couple times in the backfield, um, but, uh, you know, where uh, Jalen Hurts kind of juked him and, uh, and got some yards after that. But for the most part, I thought he played really well, especially seeing that the, his backup uh, was sent home. Uh, the backup on the other side from Yuchen and Wusu stomped on somebody and was kicked out of the game. So a lot of these guys had to play a lot of minutes, and I thought they played pretty well. I think overall, defensively, I liked the aggression. I liked how they were flying around. And I think in a game where you're scoring points, it would have been different. Um, and it was really good for a while. Uh, I, I wasn't all that impressed with the special teams. There was a couple of good plays. The first field goal was good. Tilby had a couple of good punts, but they didn't maintain that throughout the game. Um, yeah, so too many penalties. There were special teams penalties. There were it just, and offensively was abysmal. We already talked about that. So nothing, nothing good came out of the offense. So I can't. I'm not gonna give you a single positive thing out of the offense. Sorry. Let's go, John and Brea. Ryan's first post in live from the press box tells a story. 
The SC sideline looked like a high school team. USC, the university, was not prepared for this game. It's more than the players and coaches. The university administration doesn't understand what it takes to field a competitive football team in today's world of college football. What big-time coach would want to coach here? Ryan, do you think Max Akias and Lynn Swan understand the investment they need to make in this program in order to catch up? Forget the Coliseum. This football program needs a renovation. All right, John uh, and Brea, I'm going to disagree with you on what big-time coach would want to coach here. That's The coach is what changes the program. It's not – if the athletic director hires Nick Saban and then the athletic director is terrible at that point, it doesn't matter. He already hired Nick Saban. The problem is the administration not going after – the best coach available, not trying to get a Tom Herman or John Harbaugh from the NFL or Chip Kelly or who, anyone, you know, and that's, they wanted to keep it in house and, and hire the safe, stable person that they know. And it's not going to change things. He's not going to rock the boat. Well, he's not winning games. And is that what's most important? So I think it's more about the administration Winning isn't the most important thing. It's kind of keeping their fiefdom together. And I think that's a, a bad sign. And um, you hire someone who's so overjoyed to have the job. They're not going to be pushing back. They're not going to tell you, hey, I'm doing it this way. They're just happy to be there. Uh, n- n- no knock on Clay Hilton. He is happy to be there. You should be. Uh, there's no reason he shouldn't be. But he's also not coming in with, here's what I did when I was a head coach at Arizona State and Iowa, and I made this work, and here's what it is. You don't have that experience to rely on. You're basically, you were doing Kiffin stuff and Sark stuff, and now you're kind of adopting to your own thing. But it's not like you have your own experience from being head coach anywhere else. This is the first time you're doing it, and you're going to probably go along the company line and not, not rock the boat. And... If that's what the administration is most uh, interested in, that's what they got. But it doesn't necessarily translate into winning games, and it probably hurts you uh, from winning more games. And I, we've seen that so far. Um, the question is, I, so Max Akias has been there. I don't think if he was interested in winning games, then he would have hired somebody else or tell them to hire someone else. Lynn Swan, that's the, he's brand new too. He's never been an athletic director. Will he come in? And if things continue to go south, be able to make a change and say, instead of getting a former assistant or someone that knows anything to do with USC, let's go get the best coach out there who's coached somewhere else and run some other system that has nothing to do with USC, and we're going to make it work here. So um, that's what I thought they needed to do with a coach, the last three coaching hires. That's what I thought they needed to do with the last two athletic director hires. They didn't do that on any of them, and you could argue all of them have ended up bad. We don't know – really with uh, uh, with Lin Swan yet. Um, and there's still, obviously, the jury's still out on Helton, but it's not a good start, at least. Let's see. Um, Jesse says, I've read the podcast since the end of last season. Uh, this is our buddy Jesse, the U.S. Army retired sergeant. Uh, I'm not one that gets excited over the offseason, so I really didn't have a reason to. Now that I have a few hours to digest the Alabama game, uh, I would like to ask a couple questions. To say that I'm very disappointed is an understatement. It seemed that we feared what we feared the most happened on Saturday. We came out very emotional and fired up. But as soon as Bama punched us square in the mouth, we couldn't shake it. USC looked very unprepared, lacked discipline and mental toughness. Is USC really this far behind the nation's elite? I would say yes, they are. You saw it Saturday. Is the caliber of athlete at USC 46 points worse than Alabama? I would say certainly not. No. Uh, that was coaching to me. What does the coaching staff have to do to get these kids toughened up and ready to go against Utah State? Great question. 
uh, especially with Stanford and Utah, who play a similar style of football to what Alabama does, coming up fast. Love the podcast, as always. Fight on from the great Northwest. Um, what does USC have to do? Yeah, you have to play like you said you were going to play, with a toughness. You should be easier against Utah State to play with that toughness. Um, but you got to do it. I mean, it's something that has to happen. It hasn't happened. There's no more talk about it. It's just play tough. Fully tackle at practice if you got to. Play full pads all week. Uh, whatever you got to do, you got to get tough. If you get hurt, you get hurt. But you have to go out there and play tougher. And it starts against Utah State. You can't wait to Stanford. You have to do that against Utah State. Um, we'll see if they do. Uh, I don't know if they will. Let's see. Uh, we'll do one or two more. I got to uh, so much going on here. So I need to get to my flight here soon. But Justin wrote in said, Pendergast aggressive style was working, but there's also a lot of blown coverage. I think that'll get ironed out over time. I kind of agree with you there. You take some good with the bad. You take risks when you play aggressive. I'd much rather than play aggressive and make some mistakes. Max Brown panicked early and often, and most of his throws were not even close to the intended receiver. There was a lot of throws that were way off. I'll give you that. Is Brown going to be the starter for long? I did like that one play where he tucked it, though. I underestimated speed. Yeah, I thought that was a great play from Max Brown. Um, a really good play. Uh, I don't think the quarterback was the issue here. Uh, we saw both quarterbacks. No one lit the world on fire. Uh, there was a lot of other problems. I think scheme-wise and offensive line-wise, there was big problems there. The receivers weren't getting open. I mean, there was just so many things wrong. Just a, the offensive game plan, it looked like grab-baggy. It just didn't look like some cohesive, here's a system that we're running, and it, it works great. It was like there was a lot of hope involved and not a lot of we know this is going to work. I uh, said the players seemed gassed by the end of the first quarter. Were they not training very well? I didn't see that. I thought they have uh, pretty pretty good shape here uh not rotating properly there wasn't a ton of rotation but i didn't i didn't think they were gassed what exactly happened that could result in such disastrous play well there's a lot of things and how do they expect to play against Stanford, oregon if they if if they were outmatched i'd get it but every single one of them are studs uh but they didn't look like it tonight yeah that's true uh this isn't fair i know but truthfully it doesn't seem like the coaching staff on the offensive side is up to the task best personal regards from justin um yeah, no, I, I, like I said before, I think this is more about coaching and preparation and not about execution, um, not about the players. Um, I think players, you got to make some individual plays and stuff too, but you got to put them in the, in the right spot, and I don't think they have been. Um, where does this loss rank from Stephen? I think that we'll, we'll end it on this one. Um, in my 24 years following the team, I cannot recall a worse one, particularly – because of how big a stage this was on. The worst part for me was when the commentators on ABC spent the entire second half zooming in on Alabama coaches and talking as if every single USC fan had turned off their TVs. So here's what I thought tonight. What's worse than losing a football game? Being so bad that you are irrelevant. Oh, that's very good. Thank you for the instant analysis after the game. It really helped. You guys are class acts. Stephen Poway. Um, irrelevancy and that's uh that's not where you want to be and usc was irrelevant in the second half of that game it didn't matter uh what was going on there so um it was a big stage like i said usc hadn't lost by that many points in my lifetime and many of your lifetimes um the last time it was that bad was 1966 uh so historically yeah it was bad um don't know where it ranks as far as uh for you know USC fans if you want to write in and say and you know where does it rank for you certainly it's got to be up there 
with the embarrassment, the, the, the opponent. And, of course, you played a great opponent, but it just did not show that this team was prepared to play and you had nine months to prepare for this game. That's all you needed to think about for nine months. And for it to come out and end like that uh, certainly, I think, is an issue. All right. Well, I'm going to go try to catch my flight here. Um, I know we got a bunch more questions. We'll get to more questions on Coach Harvey Hyde's podcast and Dan Weber's podcast. But I hope you guys enjoyed this little solo shot from me. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USAFootball.com. We will have more shows this week. Uh, we'll do We'll talk to coach. Hard, like I said, we'll talk to Dan. We might talk to Gerard. We'll see what we can do. Um, maybe Keeler shotgun. We've got to do a lot of analysis of this game because obviously it was very important and they got to bounce back 1130 AM kickoff in the Coliseum Saturday against Utah state. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this Peristyle podcast. Send me in your comments, write it, call in, write in whatever you want. We'll get more shows this week and we'll try to get your reaction, play it on the air, talk to you about it, give you our thoughts. And see where this team goes going forward. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.